looking forward to the future. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. The ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Greetings in Christ and welcome to our program. We're continuing our series, What in the World is Going to Happen? It's a look ahead, a prophetic look ahead at what God has told us would happen and what it would look like. Won't you join us again for Truth For Today and our January series, What in the World is Going to Happen? Our teacher and pastor now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Once again, here's Pastor Phil Howard. He takes this word heaven in the Greek, being past the stratosphere, that he comes down and Weist has it almost figured out to feet. He's going to come close to the earth and be like this giant magnet that would draw all the dead in Christ buried at the sea, eaten by lions, eaten by sharks, spread all over this globe, burn up, hacked, spit out, Wherever the saints are for 2,000 years, this Christ is going to come down. And when he comes down, he's going to act like this giant magnet. And every born-again child of God from 33 AD to the last saint of the church era, come, he's going to just draw the dead in Christ up out of the ground. The magnetic Christ. And when he's doing that, watch what happens. He have come down from heaven with a loud command. Military is the idea. You've heard his soft voice in salvation. But remember, this is military day. I'm gathering my own. And he speaks loud. As loud as an archangel and as loud as a trumpet. Some of you will need earplugs. But you're still going to hear it. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Uh Uh-oh, they get the scene first. I want to die. No, no, hold on. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up behind them. Oh, oh, together? Does your say together? What does that mean? Together. Now, and this word caught up, some people slam us guys. We're, we're, I'm in an obscure group that believes in the rapture compared to the whole church world. But, but everybody can't be right. This word for caught up is harpazo. If you don't like rapture, just say we believe in the harpazo of the church. And it means to seize something by force. It was used of being a thief to grasp it and steal it and take it by force. It was used in Philippians 2 that Christ would not grasp hold of his external display of deity. He was willing to let go of it. And it's the word harpazo. To seize you by force. Christ is going to come down and this magnetic power that's in him and seize his saints, both who have died and those who are alive. He's going to seize us by so much force it will break the power of gravity and we will go up wading right through demonic infested air, right into his presence. And notice, we will go up together with them, the dead in Christ, to meet the Lord in the air. Now I'm telling you, I can get, I can revert to being a Pentecostal right here. This makes you want to shout. This makes you want to dance. 
If that makes you nervous, get nervous. This is stuff nobody's got but God. This is God's stuff. To think, Mohammed can't make this promise. Buddha can never make it. They can make it, but they couldn't keep it. But to think that my Savior said, I'm coming again in Thessalonians, I want to tell you how it's going to be. You buried your daddy. You buried your mama. You buried your grandma. You buried saints throughout the years. On that day, I'm going to come down for my people, and the magnetism of my deity will happen. And I believe he'll do this. Now, this is my theology, but it's good. I have no verse, but I have a hint, not a hunch. Uh, that I don't think he's going to come down and to the dead say, all you folks that are dead, get up. No, I think he's going to do it like Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. John 10 says he calls his sheep by name. You know what I think is going to happen when he gets down low enough? He's going to say, fill up. I'm already buried. Philip, come up. You say, well, there's millions of Philips. Well, he has a nuance for the way he calls my Philip over all the other ones. It's unique to him and I. Only he could say it the way he said it. Don't even try it. You don't even know how. <laughs> and he's going to say it, and this Philip will know that this is that Philip, and there'll be 80 other Philips over there. And I said, hold off. That was me. <laughs> right there. And out of the ground, we come, and then here comes these dead. Here comes folks that were burned in fires like Ignatius and Polycarp. You say, all we got of Polycarp is asses. The magnetic Christ will say, Polycarp, stand up. And all of these asses of over 1,900 years were formulated to a body, and he'll come up to the level of the living saints and all the dead will be on the same level and then he'll say to the living saints all right get ready we're going to take off and together we'll go up and guess what nobody gets to see Christ first we all see him together at the same time and we'll praise him magnify him and worship him nobody will be ahead of you in seeing Christ oh I love that and all the big folks will have to move over. It won't be sitting on pews. It'll be enthroning him. Seeing. Everybody gets to see him. Every eye. He says, and so will we be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And yet I see a whole generation in this church and most church, like uh, when I gave the song to Deborah, I said, uh, there are no contemporary songs I know of on his second coming. If there is, find them for me. Find me a song in the last five years that's been written on the second coming. I don't know of them. I'll sing Jesus is coming again. And I'll teach the young people what walls sounds like. I care less. It's he's coming again. And you don't know what this hope did in the 60s when the generation that I graduated with in 63, my buddies, everyone that was healthy was being drafted for Vietnam. I became a college dean in 66 and I had to work with Veterans Administration to get a 4D classification for a guy in college. I had to fill those forms out exact or that boy would be drafted. 
And boys were flocking to colleges and Bible colleges because Vietnam was waiting. My cousin was drafted. But that 60s generation began to hear Hal Lindsey, Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapels, preaching second coming, the coming of the Lord. It was big in the 40s when Hitler was wild and Europe thought a madman would rule history. But then these 60 kids that are getting up with Timothy Lear and discovering LSD and discovering Haight-Ashbury and uh, Janis Joplin and the drug scene and the sex scene and no hope scene. America's going to hell in a basket and I'm going to Vietnam. And there's no future. All of a sudden prophetic truth caught fire among all these kids hanging out on the beaches of Southern Cal. And there was a message. Christ is coming again. Christ is going to reign. Christ will subdue Antichrist. Christ is not dead. Look for him. It could be today. And it revolutionized a whole generation and every Calvary chapel of which 1,600 of them were born out of that theology. I finally got hope. There's something finally in the future besides drugs, sex, and despair. We've got the same message. And Peter says this prophetic word shines like a lamp in a dark place. I was inspired to do this series when the little uh, bank teller gal who says to me, Pastor, a little Mexican mother from Mexico uh, says, what in the world is happening? This is right after the tsunami. And I said, I could tell you, but I don't have time in five minutes here at this booth. So I'm going to take by to her a copy of these sermons and try to furnish them to her because I don't want her to go to hell. I don't want her to miss the great catching away of the bride. The seasiness and making gravity stand still as we fly into the very place he's prepared for us. What should we be living like? What, what should these truths do for us? I write down here at the end the perspective. Number one, we are living in perilous times and we have for 1900 years. It's never been easy. He said in 2 Timothy, our brother Timothy read it to us yesterday at an elders meeting. It is as though I never heard it before. That men are lovers of pleasure, lovers of self, all the sins. Pastor Rollins used to tell me, it's like we've gone full circle and the 21st century church has now gone back to first century conditions where sex is rampant, where anti-authority is rampant, where it doesn't even seem like the true church of God could even survive. Hear me, hear me. For 1900 years, God's people have clung in the darkness of history to the hope, I have not forgotten you. I will come at the appointed time and the appointed hour. Wait until I come. Be faithful until I break the air and get you. So peril is around us. Two, First Timothy said in the last days, doctrines of demons would abound. The doctrines would even touch what we eat and our views of marriage. Surely demonic teaching has got us in a day when people of the same sex can dominate our newspapers and get a marriage license. Surely, surely something's wrong when abortion is the way to escape a one night stand. I never, if you'd asked me when I was 17, what is an abortion? I couldn't have told you. 
Richmond High, 17. Never heard of abortion in my life. If you ask a fifth grader what is a condom, he'll tell you. And he's got another vocabulary word, AIDS. Never heard of it until what? Maybe 10 years ago, maybe more. But we've got a new vocabulary that is springing out of the tragedy of demonic teachings that touch everything for religious ways to eat to changing our views of marriage, home, gender, all of these things. And he says in 1 John, there will be antichrist teachings and people through the whole church era. That's why I hope there's no antichrist among this church that will spring up with an antichrist doctrine or an antichrist following. There's, they are alive all over the globe. They were alive under the ministry of John the Apostle. They were in the very church he pastored. So we are dealing with perilous times. But there's something that we ought to know in 1 John 3. Look at that. 1 John 3, towards the end of your Bible, verse 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. Don't you want to know? <laughs> That's why uh, heaven, uh, Randy Alcorn's written a terrific book on heaven. It's a systematic theology on the doctrine of heaven. It's a great book. Because there's so many things we want to know about this place. And what, but he said, it hasn't been completely revealed what we shall be like, but we know that when he appears... We shall be like him. That's good enough for me. For we shall see him as he is. Can you imagine on the Mount of Transfiguration, him showing Peter, James, and John? Let me show you what your glorified body's going to look like. And he's just right there in front of them, just gives them a display. Caught up. And Moses and Elijah show up. And those boys are looking and say, I mean, this is what we've got coming. This is what's got coming. They said, we don't want to leave the mountain. Let's build some tabernacles right now. They said, no, no, no. You've got to go back to the bottom of the mountain because there's a demon-possessed boy that needs help. We're going to be just like Christ someday. Can't you hear him telling Mary, let go of my feet, Mary. I've got to ascend. She was holding. We're going to have a glorified. Phil Ross, Luella, hold on. Someday you're going to get a body just like your Savior. Francis, your memory has left you. Here you are in your 90s in a home and you can't even remember Donna's name. Someday there will be no Alzheimer's. Someday no aches or pain. And someday, I don't know exactly what it will look like, but we will be like Christ. Like Christ. Now notice the effect it ought to have on us. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Um, hope in the Bible means the positive assurance of future good. Positive assurance of future good. Fear is the fretful and anxiety of future bad. I'm worried about tomorrow. But hope is the present tense assurance based upon God's word 
of positive good in the future. I often think about my conversion, your conversion. The moment I put faith in Christ, look at how your future changed. I went to the Tuesday night meeting knowing I was going to hell. I, God had been dealing with me a long, so I knew I went in knowing I'd go to hell, and I was. I would have gone to hell. From the human side, the election had not completed its work. So I was still in the grasp of the verdict. But by the time I walked out of the building that night, let's just suppose, if there is a great tribulation, from what I understood, cancel. If there is hell, and there is, cancel. If there is any judgment coming out of God, fiery indignation, and holiness against sin, it can't touch me, for I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ, of which divine judgment has already passed. And God can't judge me twice for the same sin. Christ paid for my sins. God, if you don't like me, you judge him. God said, that's just the way I set it up. Everything in my future, except getting through this world and having back surgeries, bad teeth, arthritis, and getting uglier. Besides that, besides that, I got a blessed future. I am going to be caught up whenever it happens. I am going to be resurrected if I do die. I'm going to be translated if I'm alive. There is no hell. There is no purgatory. There's no waiting. There's no judgment. There's no divine wrath. It's all past. All past. Everything in the future gets better and better and better. That's why you ought to be clapping. You ought to be dancing on top of the pews. Don't, don't, don't. This is shouting material. We're getting you in shape for the shout. He's going to shout. And I hope you don't squeak. You just shout back, hallelujah. The day I've longed for has happened. It's happened, it's happened, hallelujah to the Lamb. And all the bullies don't get to see him first. We all get to see him together. Isn't that wonderful? I love it. I love it. Oh, you're supposed to stay calm because Christianity is just a warmed over mausoleum. That's what you think. Our faith is an emptied mausoleum. He empties the graveyard because he walked out of it. We're going to walk out of it. That's our hope. That's our hope. Howard Hendricks said, if you want the people to bleed, you've got a hemorrhage. And that's what I'm doing. Let me read to you what I think are profound words about hope that C.S. Lewis wrote. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. You often hear people say he's so heavily minded, he's no earthly good. That's just a trash statement. You don't ever use it of us. You've got to be heavily minded, Colossians 3.1, in order to be earthly good. Until you get your mind fixed on heaven, you aren't going to be worth a hoot on this earth. If you're just tied up with money, sex, food, uh, details, the anxieties of life, changing the oil in your car, you can have all those things in the will of God, but the focus of our heart is to be on, he may come today. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. 
It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. He says a great line in the same article on hope. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. He says, a baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. This world cannot satisfy the true child of God. On my best day, I remain homesick for heaven. On my best day in this world, there is a longing born in the heart of every child of God. I want to see my Savior, first of all. We used to sing a lot of songs. Our dad taught us an old song. I'd like to talk it all over with him. Yeah, I mean, the intimate language of this little song he taught us, it's so intimate, it almost sounds sacrilegious to people who don't know God well. He'd go, I'd like to kneel down and talk it all over with him. I'd like to say, Lord, you've been there. What was it? How's it go? You've been there when the pathway was so dim. I cannot repay you. What's the rest? Hazel, you ought to know this. Well, I can't repay him when I reach that city above. But I like to kneel down and thank him for his great love. And the idea is, I just can't wait to have a personal audience with my Savior. And I say to you, as I told the first service, I think the first thing I want to do is kiss his feet. That, that led from Bethlehem to Gethsemane and to the cross. I don't know that I could stand and look into his face at first, but if I could just grasp his feet like Mary and kiss where they drove the spikes through and say, thank you, Lord. You led me all the way through my earthly journey, and this is worth it all. This is payday. Payday isn't here. Payday's there. And I say to you, dear saints, he's not forgotten you. He's coming again. And he's got one place. And my imagination runs this way. If it's taken 1,900 years to fix the place, it must be magnificent. But it says two things. How magnificent it will be and how many millions will be in it. You know, us folks that believe election are often accused that we don't believe in evangelism and we limit the number that will be there. Did you know this Bible says one thing God has not been stingy about and that is saving. There will be millions upon millions upon millions that will be caught up and seen in the air. Our series is simply entitled, What in the World is Going to Happen? 
It is a small look at a larger series, a prophetic series, taking a look at end times. We're only able to bring you a portion of it here in January. The entire set is available for a gift of $10 or more to the first 50 callers each week. And of course, copies of today's program available on CD when you simply call or write to us. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us toll-free at 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. That's 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That's here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As always, you're welcome to visit Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We'd love to see you and spend time with you face-to-face. Services are at 9 and 11 Sunday mornings. Details and directions can be found at our website, valleybible.org, or again by simply calling 855-833-9864. And again, many other resource materials and information about us can be found online at our website, valleybible.org. And when you do stop by, drop us a quick email. Let us know you paid us a visit. Better yet, Join us for worship Sunday mornings, 9 and 11. Again, details and directions are at valleybible.org or simply call 855-833-9864. This broadcast is available here on KFAX on a weekly basis as you come by and sponsor us financially and prayerfully. Linking Arms with Us continues the broadcast of Truth For Today here on KFAX, reaching thousands here in the Bay Area for the gospel of Christ. Further information can be had when you contact us at 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next week for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.